Reading from Whispers from Eternity by Paramahansa Yogananda. O divine friend, through the darkness of my ignorance be as old as the world. Still make me realize that with the dawn of thy light, the darkness will vanish as though it had never been. The topic today is, as you know, does Satan exist? I'm not going to talk about Satan for the next 20 or 30 minutes because as the song that they beautifully did this morning showed, an unhealthy obsession with Satan is just one of the many, many tricks that Satan uses to draw us to focus on the darkness and to get us pulled into that darkness. Paramahansa Yogananda described as in this reading in many times, he described these universal currents, one going further from God out into delusion, into separation of our little self, into the, into the darkness. And because it came from God, it has consciousness and wants us to go further into the darkness. Fortunately, there's another flow of divine grace going back to God. And this power of this flow also has the conscious power of God behind it. And whenever we think a positive or negative thought, we are attuning to these two flows, one or the other. As the reading said, that thoughts are universally and not individually rooted. So in a sense, all we're ever doing is tuning into one of those flows. But it's not passive, or it shouldn't be passive. With our conscious will, our thoughts, our actions, our desires, we can make the choice to enter into one flow or the other. Sometimes you hear people say that they just want to go with the flow. And it's good in one sense, but when it's passive, you're going with whatever flow is coming along. And Swamiji tells Swami Kriyananda, I'll say Swamiji because I'm going to quote him several times today. That's how we call him here. He told the story of when he was growing up in Romania. There was a family of either Austrians or Germans. And he said they were a very, very good family. Good children, positive, friendly. And it was right when the Nazis were starting to come into power. And somehow they just got caught in that flow of that energy going into the darkness. And they started giving the Nazi salute and became very ardent Nazis. And this comes from going with the flow. People might think, well, if that happened here, I would never do that. But you know, I think those who were passive in their approach to life would get caught in whatever flow comes along the strongest. As devotees, as lovers of God, as disciples of Paramahansa Yogananda, he's taught us that we have the choice. And what he said about this flow going back towards the light, anytime we think a kind thought, a selfless thought, a thought of God, not only do we enter into that flow, but the power in the consciousness of God wants to lift us up and draw us into it. And it's not going to do it against our will. It's going to wait for us to call. I use a very bad analogy sometimes because it's also a stereotype and I probably break a lot of rules with it. But God and the saints and the masters, you can liken them to the stereotypical Jewish mother who is sitting there waiting by the phone for her, her children to call. And she's not going to call them first. She's sitting there waiting. And God in the same way wants us to reach out. But when we do, when we make that step, there is a great mighty power of divine grace helping us along. The masters have used the analogy of this flow of divine grace as being like the flow of a river. And in the middle of the river, the current is very, very strong. 
on the edges, it's very weak. And maybe at the very banks, it's very muddy and you get stuck. And they say that if you just make the effort, which you do have to make the effort, to go out into the center of that river through devotion, through prayer, through service, all the things that we do here, through Sunday service and the Festival of Light, that we enter into that flow of grace which carries us back to God. And it doesn't matter how you do this. You can do it in any way, consciously tuning into God, and you will start to enter into that flow of grace. I had a, a striking example of how you, you can start wherever you're at. You don't have to give selfless, complete love and devotion to God. You can be upset with God. You can yell at God. Even that is a step probably from the mud at the, the banks of that river further out into it. And I had an experience even which is a little bit strange, and I'm not going to recommend that everybody take the name of God in vain, but somehow even taking the name of God is never in vain is what I learned. I was driving a vehicle one day. It was the early days of Ananda. And it seemed like every truck and car that we had in those days, the brakes were really, really bad. And most of them, you would have to pump them furiously just to get enough pressure in the brake line to finally make the brakes start working. And it was only my second year here, so I can excuse my ignorance because of that. And I was uh, serving on the Ananda community that we had on the coast for a while. And I was delivering some produce from the farm. And I was in a back road, and it was a fairly steep downhill road, and it was an old VW van. And as I was going down this hill, I started tapping the brake to slow me down. And I wasn't even able to pump it because the brake just flopped right to the floor. Just <laughs> and it's, if you've ever had this happen to you, it's a pretty chilling experience. And it's especially chilling when you know that you have no parking brake or emergency brake. My immediate response was um, a, a, a way of taking the name of the Lord God in vain that I learned in my childhood from someone in my family, bless him, who if he hit his thumb with a hammer, he would say, Jesus Christ. And so that was my response. I just said, Jesus Christ. And it was not done with reverence or devotion, but it was also not done in vain because immediately there was a turnoff to the right. It was a driveway, a dirt road, and I just turned there really sharply, and it went uphill and then leveled off very, very gently, and just I came to a complete stop in this driveway. And I've never told the rest of the story, but I got out of the car and sort of put a rock under it real quick. But this man came running out. He was really upset to see me pulling in there. It was in a very remote place. And he started yelling at me that I couldn't park my car there. And I finally had to tell him, you know, there's no brakes, and I'm not going to get back in that thing. Then he really started taking the name of God in vain at that <laughs> point. So. And finally, I had to ask him if I could use his telephone, <laughs> which in those days, the phones were tethered inside the house. He couldn't just give me a cell phone. And I think because he'd been chanting God's name, his heart finally opened up. <laughs> and uh, it was very sweet, these two devotees chanting, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, <laughs> calling to God. And he let me use the phone, and I got someone to come and pick me up. So whatever way you can use to go to God, start right where you are. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be pretty. But find some way to turn towards the light. And you'll find that the more and more ways that you do this in your life, the more and more the moments are filled with that, the more and more this uh, flow of grace becomes a mighty river 
pulling us to God and drawing us to God because it's conscious and it really wants to help us. And so the devotee who opens their heart, serves, gives, and starts changing their life, like I said in the beginning, it may not look real pretty, but if the effort is there, God's hands will come down and lift you up and bring you along and carry you to divine freedom. You also find that the circumstances of your life change because you're in a magnetism of divine grace. And you'll find that more and more your life changes from doing this. There's different ways and different sort of tricks that Satan uses sometimes. And he can be very, very wily. It's almost like he has an advantage over the light because we're here in this world of duality, light and dark. In one of them, let's just take pleasure and pain. When we get caught up in pleasure, we start thinking of the little self and indulging in it. And Satan is right there. Yeah, yeah, get real small and contract and get into yourself. And of course, you have to experience the opposite. It's just the way of karma and delusion, and you experience pain. And you start experiencing that, and you start feeling, oh, I'm sore, I'm hurting, I'm suffering. You start thinking, this is really unpleasant, and this and that, and there's Satan cheering you on. Yeah, feel that way. Get very, very deep into it. And he even gets you as a two-for-one special for Satan, which is that when we slip and fall spiritually, which happens to everybody until you're free, He's there encouraging you to feel really unworthy and unworthy to go to God and really demeaned and this and that. And so find ways to overcome that and to turn, in, turn to the light. You can find many, many tricks that the masters have given to us. One of them that's really an extraordinary story of a disciple of master who came to him just after master left the body. His name was Brother Premamoy. And this story tells us one way that we can work with the darkness. He was in uh, Europe right when the Nazis were taking over, and it was during World War II, and he was part of the resistance in this area of Austria or Slovenia or wherever he was, and he was fighting it with, with other resistance fighters. And the Nazis had this thing where if the resistance killed one Nazi officer, they would round up 10 people from the nearest village, 10 innocent people, and have them all executed. And so Brother Premamoy, this happened, an officer was killed, and they were rounding up the people. And one of the people they rounded up was someone he knew. And this person had a family. He had a wife, and he had children. And Brother Premamoy wasn't married and didn't have children. So he went to the Nazi officer, and he said, this man has children, he has a wife. Take my life in exchange for his. And the, the Nazi officer, he just said, he let them both free, actually. And he said, Essentially, we're not going to win a war against people like you behaving like this. And this is also a very, very good lesson in how we respond to the temptation or the, the pull of the darkness to get us start going in that direction. The answer is two, twofold. One is to give. Swami Kriyananda has said that the real test of an Ananda minister is that when they're suffering and being tested in certain ways, that their response is to serve and to give. And this is what Brother Premamoy did. His response to the darkness was to give and to love. You will also find that devotion is the greatest pull that draws us to God. And I think if you live long enough, and many of us here have, you go through a lot of different ways and tests and challenges. And it's one of the ways that our karma comes, but it also Satan tries to get inside of it. And so when people experience pain and suffering, again, the tendency is to, to start contracting. 
And I think, like many people, I've had enough of these experiences of being able to not even give and serve. You know, your body is lying flat on your back and you can't even get up. And all you can do is try to figure out the best way to deal with a situation like that. And I can say, probably like many others here, the best way to respond when you think that you can't give anything, you try prayer and you try affirmation and you try this and that. But I found one thing works better than anything. It's the simplest thing of all. Give God your love unconditionally without thinking of anything in return. Just practice devotion and say, I'm yours, Lord. Whatever is happening to this body, it's just karma, it's just stuff. I don't care about that, but I do know I love you and I give you my love. And you will find that when you do that, tears of pain turn to tears of joy because God's grace comes along. And you may not, your body may not get fixed, but your heart gets fixed. And really, if you see pain and suffering just almost as a way of our karma coming to remind us, and when we get caught up in it and start identifying with it, it's just a way of being reminded that we're not yet free in God. And so when that comes to you and, it, and there's a tendency to start to contract and you know that dark force gets us to feel our pain and our suffering, get in the habit of just turning it around, turning to God, and just offering unconditional love and devotion. And you'll find this is the way to divine freedom. There's a beautiful saying that Swami Kriyananda, I think I must have heard it in the very first year I was at Ananda. And I probably heard it every year for 35 years after that. And I think it was only last year that I finally figured out that it wasn't just a beautiful saying. And it's a saint, a curé d'Ar, who was a curate in, of the, in this French region of d'Ar in France, also known as Saint John Vianney. And the saying was, if you knew how much God loved you, you would die of joy. And I've always thought, well, that's very sweet and inspiring and it always ended that way with me. And maybe I'm just the slow one in the, the group here because it took me 35 years to realize that it was actually a divine teaching. It was telling us how to get out of delusion. And it's interesting that I was talking to one of our computer programs here and, and he, he, he affirmed something for me that a lot of computer programs have this code written in the background and it seems very arcane, but a lot of it is very logical. And much of it is in the form of if-then statements. And so the programmer writes, if you do such and such, and let's say it's a game or something, then such and such happens. Maybe you win the game. And people who are really clever, they hack into programs and they find out the underlying code and figure out how to, to win really, really quickly and easily because they see what you can do. And this is going to be a stretch, but in a way the, the saints and the masters they're the, the great hackers of the <laughs> spiritual life because they figured it out. They figured out how the program works. They figured out how to win, how to get out. And this statement of, if you knew how much God loved you, you would die of joy, is an if-then very, it's an action statement in a sense because it's saying very simply, if you know how much God loves you, you would die then of joy. And I think most people, maybe we don't want to die, but dying of joy means really merging back into God. It's the experience of the ego finally merging to God in samadhi, in samadhi bliss, a tiny bubble of laughter. I am become the sea of mirth itself. And so 
this statement really tells us if you spend time and can figure out and really understand and tune in to how much God loves us, then you will die of joy. And it's very simple and very clear. And if you don't die of joy, you'll find that if you start just touching on how much God loves us and tuning into it, you will find yourself over and over again weeping for joy if you're not yet ready to die of joy. This, this is why, this weeping for joy is why I think Swami Kriyananda wrote this beautiful song, Love is a Magician. And it's like almost, I wouldn't say it's a game, but in the beginning I was always on the edge of my seat hoping that whoever was singing it could make it through all the way without starting to break down and weeping in their voice breaking. And it hardly ever happens. And the reason is, is because when you sing a song, especially one as powerful as that, Swamiji said it came to him after a superconscious experience. And it, it came from God. And he said that that song describes the superconscious state of experiencing God's love and merging back into that love and experiencing divine bliss. He also says in his book on the Nayaswami order, he explains that love is the first manifestation of bliss. Love leads to bliss. And if you knew how much God loved you, then you would die of divine bliss. Or you would weep for it. And that's why one of these days, I hope it doesn't happen, but if someone ever dies while they're singing that song, <laughs> you can know that they took it all the way and that <laughs> they died of divine bliss and they died of joy. Swamiji also says about that song, and the words of that song essentially are the same as this saint, this saying which I just said, which was, I was made from love. And then at the end, Swamiji says, what a fool was I, I to turn away. And really what he was saying, people asked him, does that mean that you got into delusion or lifetimes of that, or what does it mean? He said, no, it just meant all the many ways that we turn away from God, trivial ways, big ways, little ways, all the, it's endless how many ways. And this is why he said, and why Yogananda taught, that the minutes are more important than the years. And find a way to fill those minutes with just a habit of turning towards God. I, I wrote a blog last year about developing habits and ways of turning to God under all different events in our life. And if you get in the car, when you turn on the key, say a prayer to God, whether it's for the car or for the, the other drivers on the road or whatever you want to do. Find a way to make habits of all these different events in our daily life to turn to God. And you'll find that when the minutes are filled more and more with God's presence, then you will find yourself weeping with joy and eventually dying of joy, meaning really merging into divine bliss. I'm going to close by reading the full passage from the saint, the Curé Diar. The beginning of it is a little bit different because this was translated from the French, just a, a book that was written about him just two years after he left the body. And so the translation might be a little bit different. It's interesting because I tried finding this passage online and I did the search for We Would Die of Joy. And it may be something else he said that was similar, but all you can really find is that he was a Catholic saint, is that if you know the Mass, you will die of joy about the, that Sunday service. And maybe he said it to some extent, but that's what people have sort of glommed onto. You have to search hard to find this. But this is what he said, and we'll close with this. Did we but know how our Lord loves us, we would die of joy. Our only happiness on earth 
is to love God and to know that God loves us. To be loved by God, to be united to God, to live in the presence of God, to live for God. O oh, blessed life and blessed death. And I'll read it one more time. Did we but know how our Lord loves us, we would die of joy. Our only happiness on earth is to love God and to know that God loves us, to be loved by God, to be united to God, to live in the presence of God, to live for God, O blessed life and blessed death. Om. Amen.